live from the Poly Market Studio in LA. It's the Young Turks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, uh, that was funny and, and also slightly awkward. All right. No, uh, they loved it. They, everybody loved it, of course. Uh, Jank Ugrana Kasparian, uh, big show ahead, of course. Uh, so lots of news to get to, serious ones, lighter ones. Is there a loneliness, what is it, recession? Friendship recession. Friendship recession mm -hmm. leading to loneliness. Of course, yes. We will tackle that later and of course, uh, Trump seems to have blood on his hands. But actually, literally, what is it? We're gonna solve the mystery. It's the dumbest story in the rundown. Okay, but also okay. the funnest. Okay, so let's do serious stuff first. Well, we do have some major updates on the ongoing war on Gaza, so let's begin with that. In the future, the state of Israel have to control on the entire area from the river to the sea. That was Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu making clear that Israel plans to continue preventing the formation of a Palestinian state so that Israel can continue controlling the land from the river to the sea, <laughs> which if I remember correctly is a terrible, hateful, genocidal thing to say. But I guess only when Palestinians or pro-Palestinian protesters say no, it. No, you see, when the Palestinians say it, they mean right. kill the Jews, not politically. But when Netanyahu says the totally same totally exact fine. words, it actually does it, actually kills 24,000 Palestinians. That doesn't count, because he didn't mean to kill them. He just accidentally killed 24,000 people. So obviously, even though he said the same exact thing and actually began to do it on a mass scale, it doesn't count. So have any presidents been of universities been fired over this or their congressional hearings? But wait, it's gonna get way worse with another Israeli minister. Well, Netanyahu also made clear that he intends to continue this war on Gaza through the year all the way to 2025. That is what his plan is. And of course, he has an interest in doing that for, you know, self-interest, he wants to remain in power and he knows that the second the war ends, his lack of popularity among the Israeli people will lead to him being ousted from public office. And he does face some criminal charges having to do with corruption. He doesn't wanna deal with any of that. And it's very similar to what Donald Trump was experiencing in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. Now. I wanna go to another statement, this time it's from a minister. It's from Israel's Minister of National Security. This is 
Ben Gavir, making clear what their intentions are for the Palestinian land, namely Gaza. And this is during a recent interview, so let's hear what he had to say. אני מציע קודם כל שאנחנו לא נצא ממרכזי הערים לעזה. דבר ראשון, דבר שני, אני מציע ואני אומר את זה בצורה הכי מפורשת. תישאר שם, עם הצבא, לכבוש את עזה, ולהיות אחראים לתושבי עזה. לא, מה שיכול וצריך לקדם זה תוכנית הגירה. עידוד מרצון כמובן, שיאפשר להם ללכת... אתה מתעוד מאוד שצה"ל יהיה בתוך עזה, ומרצון נגרש אותם. וזה מעשי? אודי, בוודאי. אם אנחנו נכריע אותם, בוודאי שזה מעשי. So for our audio audience, here is what, again, the Minister of National Security, a pretty important position in Israel, had to say about their plans for Palestinian land, namely the Gaza Strip. First of all, I suggest that we don't leave the city centers in Gaza. That's the first thing. The second thing I suggest, and I say this in the most explicit way, occupy Gaza and stay there. What can and should be done is the voluntary migration plan, a plan of encouragement that will allow them to leave. At that point, the anchor asks Ben Gavir if he's willing to expel them, which is a little different from voluntary migration. And he responds with, of course, if we decide this, we can do it. And maybe it's exactly statements like that and statements like the one you heard earlier from Benjamin Netanyahu that have led to a decline in global support toward Israel. And I wanna give one more example, Cenk. This is a short video, but this is the University of Gaza. It suffered the same fate as other universities in Gaza. I mean, it was already pretty much destroyed, but apparently that wasn't enough for the IDF. They had to go a little bit further by completely destroying it, completely leveling it and blowing it up. So there you have it. And so before we get to some of the polling that Morning Consult has done of the global community in regard to how they feel about Israel and this ongoing war, Cenk, what are your thoughts on all of this? So what Ben Gabir said is the very definition of ethnic cleansing. If you don't think that that was a call for ethnic cleansing by the national security official from Israel, you're so blinded by your bias that it's not even worth discussing. Because you, you, the guy could say, I want to cut all their heads off. And you go, no, but it doesn't, no, technically, no, 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 there's no technically. He's saying, we're going to go and occupy Gaza. You saw it with your own eyes, you heard it with your own ears, and then we're going to push the Palestinians out. We're going to expel them. Well, that's ethnic, that's the definition of ethnic cleansing. So, okay, there's, you know what the intention of the right wing government of Israel is. There's no question about it. Anybody can do propaganda. You can do propaganda all day long if you like. And you, oh no, Hamas made Israel ethnically cleanse two million civilians. You can say any BS you like. There's no, there's no lack of clarity there at all. And Netanyahu was clear, from the river to the sea. I mean, I was told from the river to the sea is the very worst thing you could possibly say. I condemned people saying from the river to the sea on the Palestinian side. Do I hear a condemnation of Netanyahu on that? Do I well, forget Netanyahu? It's easy to say, well, he's unpopular in Israel. Do I hear condemnation of the government of Israel as their prime minister and their national security minister brazenly talk about ethnic cleansing? And, and, and wiping out the Palestinians. Not only are they talking about it, they're doing it. Right. Why do you blow up the school? So that they have no opportunity, 100%. they have no hope. And are you gonna, is, are the defenders of Israel going to pretend that that was an accident? Because they say, oh, 24,000 people killed, all accident. 
The terrorists killed civilians on purpose. We killed all of these civilians, but golly gee, they were all accidents. Did they blow up the college by accident? No, look, you're kidding yourself. You're in total, utter delusion if you think this is anything but ethnic cleansing. So at this point, Cenk, the United States stands alone in the global community in regard to its unwavering support for the Israeli government. In fact, over the weekend, there were some pretty giant protests in Israel consisting of Israelis who want the war to stop. So I give them a lot of credit for sticking their necks out, especially in this environment where a lot of other Israelis, of course, are very supportive of the war and they don't want to see any media coverage in the country that even questions the military operations taking place in the Gaza Strip. I give you all of these examples to kind of provide reasons for why the morning consult poll that I'm going to share data about right now came out the way that it came out, okay? Because of course, after Hamas carried out those atrocities and slaughtered 1,200 innocent people in Israel, global support for Israel was pretty high. But things have changed as the months have gone on and as Israel has carried out more and more of these military operations and effectively leveled you know, entire regions of the Gaza Strip. Certainly the northern region of the Gaza Strip is completely leveled. And we hear about the civilian casualties, the majority of whom consist of women and children. And so let's get to the results of this study that Morning Consult did. So what they did is they specifically kept track of 43 different countries to see where their public opinion stood in regard to Israel. And net favorability, meaning the percentage of people viewing Israel positively after subtracting the percentage viewing it negatively, dropped globally by an average of 18.5 percentage points between September and December, decreasing in 42 out of 43 countries polled. The only country where you didn't see a steep decline was the United States, of course. Now, China, South Africa, Brazil, and several other countries in Latin America all went from viewing Israel positively to negatively. And many rich countries that already had net negative views of Israel, including Japan, South Korea, and the UK, saw steep declines. Net favorability in Japan went from negative 39.9 to negative 62. In South Korea, from negative 5.5 to negative 47.8, which is massive. And also in the UK from negative 17.1 to negative 29.8. And again, the United States is the only country that remains relatively supportive of Israel and this ongoing war on Gaza. So the US remains the only rich country that still had net positive views of Israel. Net favorability dropped just 2.2 percentage points from a net favorability of 18.2 to a net favorability of 16 from September to December. So you do see a little bit of a drop, but obviously it's nothing compared to what others are experiencing in the global community. And that might have a lot to do with the way the war is covered, I think that you know, in previous wars between Israel and Palestinians, you wouldn't see a drop at all. And I think that that 2% drop probably has something to do or that two point drop has something to do with the fact that there are more media options for people and they're able to see what's happening on the ground in Gaza and they find it 
unbearable, unbearable to take in, unbearable to support. And according to analysis by Morning Consult, the US is paying a price for its unwavering support of Israel, regardless of what its far right government does. So we're taking a pretty big hit ourselves when it comes to global public opinion. In Egypt, the United States went from having a positive favorability of 41.1 to a negative favorability of negative 14.9 from September to December. In Saudi Arabia, the US saw a similar trend dropping from a positive favorability of 12.2 to negative 10.5 over the same time period. So there are costs for Israel in regard to how they're perceived in the global community. But because of our unwavering support, we are also suffering some losses in how people perceive us. Okay, so first of all, why Americans are so different than the rest of the world? Well, there's an obvious answer, media. The Intercept did a great piece on this and I tweeted it on my social media account. And what they explain is, even though the US media for basically the first time is criticizing Israel, in my lifetime, I've never seen them criticize Israel. And so they have begun to do that and we've given them a lot of credit for that because we were fair. But even so, when they did the analysis, they found out it was massively skewed in favor of Israel. So I'll give you one out of dozens of examples that they had in the piece. When it came to Hamas attacks, how often were they characterized as massacres versus when Israel did kill 24, 20 times the number of people and 20 times the number of civilians, how often were they characterized as massacres? One is 20 times larger, right? The Hamas attacks were characterized as massacres 125 times in the New York Times, Washington Post and LA Times. Those are the three papers that they studied. The Israeli attacks were characterized as massacres only twice, 125 to two. And they do the same thing on the words slaughter, horrific, all of the descriptions and then how they frame the issues, etc. They broke it down brilliantly. What American media does even to this day is it went from 100% in favor of the right wing governments of Israel to now about 80 to 95% in favor. So the American people get a totally skewed view. And that's why I keep telling you guys, look, it doesn't matter what kind of propaganda they do here or in Israel. The whole world is watching and on their screens, they are not getting the same massively pro-Israel filter that we are in America. So what they're seeing is body parts being taken out of the rubble every single day. They're seeing dead babies every single day. They're seeing dead grandmothers every day. You know why? Because that's what's happening every day. In another story, we're gonna tell you this, you know, well, there's nonstop slaughter of moms, let alone everyone else, right? So look, 85% of the people in Gaza are homeless now because they bombed everywhere. They destroyed the whole place. 70% so of the residential buildings are gone in gone, Gaza. Gone, God. Yeah. Look, you have to be completely blind, deaf and dumb to pretend that Israel is not absolutely pulverizing Gaza in the most brutal, horrific way we've ever seen. So, okay, so now the rest say, of the world does see it. Yeah, when they say, sorry, I have to interject with this because when they say voluntary migration, uh-huh. what they're referring to is we're gonna level the place, it will be unlivable, and really they'd have no choice but to leave. 100%, that's, what that's this why is they're about. not letting the supplies in. Yeah. That's why they keep saying, why don't they just move into the desert in the Sinai, Sinai Peninsula? Why don't we scatter them to the wind from the river to the sea? Get, get, get them all out of here, <laughs> Imagine if anyone said that about Israelis. Why don't we just get rid of all of them? Why don't we just drive them into the desert? Well, that would be horrible. We would all condemn it as wildly anti-Semitic, a horrible massacre, genocide, etc. But 
No, we pretend Israel isn't doing it. It's there obviously, so the consequences. So the world looks at it and guys, this is super important. Because a lot of folks are blinded by their, you know, their background, right? I know it because I'm Turkish and I know a lot of Turkish family and friends. If you mention anything about the Turkish culture, identity, etc., they're totally biased, 100% biased. They don't wanna listen to anything, right? So I've lived it. So, but the world, so that, there's this feeling that, well, the whole world's anti-Semitic anyway, okay? So let's dive into that real quick. Number one, in the, in the past, yes, absolutely, throughout history, every pocket of the world, unfortunately, has been anti-Semitic. So there is truth to that, right? And there's history behind that. Today, is that what's driving the negative view of Israel? No, no. Well, to some degree, I'm sure, of course, that old anti-Semitism still exists. But look at all these countries that had a positive view of Israel. China, Brazil, South Africa. They all had positive views of Israel. Mm -hmm. So where's the anti-Semitism? Before Israel massacred the Palestinians, and even after, by the way, 75 years of occupation, even after killing endless civilians earlier, they still had a positive view of Israel. But now having done, seen this with their own eyes, Israel's dropped off a map, they've dropped 50 points. How is this helping Israel? It's not. No, if you're an ally of Israel, stop defending the massacres. You're not helping. You're not helping at all. All you're doing is going, yeah, I don't care. You're seeing it wrong. You're all biased. It's your fault, not my fault that we killed them. Well, no one believes you. Literally, the whole world doesn't believe you. Dropping 20 to 50 points everywhere. And then the last point is ally, they're dragging the US down with them. We're losing 20 to 50 points in each country because we're saying as long as Israel's the one doing the massacres, we're 100% fine with it. Well, the world isn't fine with it. What kind of ally is this? Yeah. So you can pretend all you like about how they help us. I literally have no idea how they help us. I do know how they hurt us tremendously with our reputation across the world. They've inflamed the entire Muslim world. And, and, and this is not helping Israel, this is not helping America, and God help those poor Palestinians. Well, if you think that it appears that the United States government is allowing the Israeli government to do anything and everything, human rights violations, slaughters, massacres, atrocities, it turns out that a new investigation by reporters from The Guardian shows that there are literally internal policies. There are documents showing that the US has a completely different standard for Israel compared to the rest of the world, including Ukraine. So we've got that story and more coming up in the second segment of the show, don't miss it. T.Y.T. Cenk, Anna, Lindsay Munn, Talon Wood, and Michael Young. They're all heroes that just joined by hitting the button below. Benjamin Morrill, thank you for gifting a membership, Anna. Well, I have an incredible investigation done by The Guardian that I wanna share with you all. And it does have to do with Israel and US foreign policy as it pertains to Israel. So let's discuss it. 
If it appears as if the United States gives the Israeli government special treatment, especially relative to the way we treat other governments around the world, you would be correct in noticing that. In fact, there is official US foreign policy that creates a double standard in the international community that favors the Israeli government regardless of what they do, regardless of what kind of atrocities the government carries out against the Palestinian people and the guard did an investigation, looked into internal State Department documents, and they have now confirmed this. So let's talk about what that double standard is and what it looks like within the federal government. Now the documents show that special mechanisms have in fact been used over the last few years to shield Israel from human rights laws. Now this happens even as other allies who receive support from the United States, including Ukraine, have privately been sanctioned and faced consequences for committing human rights violations. So there have been consequences for Ukraine, even though Ukraine is an ally of the United States, but that's not the same for Israel. Now, State Department officials have, in effect, been able to circumvent the US law that is meant to prevent US complicity in human rights violations by foreign military units, the 1990s era Leahy Law, because former officials say extra, extraordinary or extraordinary internal State Department policies have been put in place that show extreme deference to the Israeli government. So again, no such special treatment is utilized or implemented for any of our other allies in the global community. Under this Leahy law, which was in fact named after retired Vermont Senator Patrick Leahy, a foreign military unit is granted American military assistance only after it has been investigated and vetted by the State Department following any reported human rights violations. Now, obviously, when you take a look at how the IDF is currently carrying out this war in the Gaza Strip, you look at the high civilian casualties, you look at the fact that 70% of the residential buildings and homes in the Gaza Strip have been completely destroyed, all of these things are evidence of human rights violations, but the United States continues to provide more and more military aid to Israel. In fact, President Joe Biden has even gone around Congress to provide military aid twice, and we'll get to those details in just a second. Now, the law prohibits the Department of State and the Department of Defense from providing funds, assistance, or training to foreign security forces under where there is credible information that the forces have committed a gross violation of human rights. Now, in a statement to The Guardian, Patrick Leahy acknowledges that this law has not been applied evenly to Israel. Uh, but the law has not been applied consistently and we have seen in the West Bank and Gaza. Uh, it's a stark example of that. Over many years, I urged successive US administrations to apply the law there, but it has not happened. And the whole reason for the law, guys, is to ensure that the United States is secured or protected from any culpability for gross violations of human rights abuses by foreign security forces that receive foreign aid from the United States. 
Now, among the incidents that have been reviewed by The Guardian, okay, the incidents that the State Department reviewed since 2020 were the killing of Shireen Abu Akleh, the Palestinian American journalist who was shot by IDF forces in May of 2022. They also looked at the death of Omar Assad, who was a 78 year old Palestinian American who died in January of 2022 after being held in Israeli custody. Just to give you a few more details about that story. In Omar Assad's case, the Israeli military said last June, it was not bringing criminal charges against soldiers that were involved in his death, even after he was alleged to have been dragged from a car, bound and blindfolded after being stopped at a checkpoint. The army said that the soldiers would not face prosecution because their actions could not directly be linked. This sounds so similar to police here in the United States. To Assad's death from cardiac arrest, the Associated Press reported, Assad, a US citizen, had spent about 40 years in the Midwest before retiring home to the West Bank in 2009, killed by the IDF. State Department reviewed it, decided not to take any action. And then there's also the alleged extrajudicial killing of Ahmed Abdu, who was a 25 year old who was shot and drawn by Israeli forces in May of 2021 while sitting in his car. A report in Haaretz describes how after opening fire on the car, Israeli troops pulled him out, dragged him a few meters down the road, then left his bloody body in the road and departed. In a review into his death, which reports suggest may have actually been a case of mistaken identity, internal State Department documents note that Israel declined to respond to questions by State Department officials about the shooting. Now, the reason why Israel hasn't been held accountable for these human rights violations and abuses is because the US government has actually created a special carve out specifically for Israel, so they don't have to abide by the Leahy law the same way other countries do. So when human rights violations have taken place in other countries, the State Department alone unilaterally will make a determination whether violations did in fact take place. But in 2020, a little known process was established by the State Department known as the Israel Leahy Vetting Forum. And when it comes to Israel, it's not just the State Department that unilaterally makes the determination. They decided to muddy the water and get a bunch of other government agencies involved that have to unanimously agree that the human rights violations occurred. And those agencies include the Bureau of Near Eastern Affairs, the Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights and Labor, the Bureau of Political Military Affairs, and the US Embassy in Jerusalem. If a single one of those agencies decides, nah, Israel did nothing wrong. The IDF did nothing wrong, no human rights abuses here, then there is no way for the US to withdraw military support and funding to Israel. Second, Israel must be consulted about alleged human rights violations that are under review and has 90 days to respond to claims, creating what some former officials said were significant delays. No other country's government must be consulted under State Department procedures, former officials told The Guardian. And so, Cenk, I'm dying to know what you think because this is the answer, right? Like we had already suspected that there was a double standard in the way that the United States treats its allies, you know, favoring Israel above all, but now here's the evidence and the reason why that's happening.
look, if you're in the group saying no, Israel is not favored by America and does not get special privileges here, you're on a different planet. You can say that all you like, but here's rock solid evidence along with a 100 other things. Look, Bernie Sanders, a great honest senator from Vermont, says we should attach conditions to our military aid to Israel that they have to follow human rights laws. Seems like the bare minimum for America, right? And he's a Jewish senator saying we've got to care about all human beings. Wonderful, right? The Senate's like, no way. Didn't even come close to winning on that issue. They voted it down. They're like, no, you could kill anyone you like. You can do any human rights violations you like. You have special privileges as Israel, okay? So denying that they have special privileges is absurd, totally detached from reality. So now let me give you more stuff that's detached from reality. So the military courts, they say Israel inserted language that only applies to Israel and does not apply to any of the other countries that we deal with in our agreement with them saying that since their military courts are so wonderful, you know, we don't need to intervene as much. Now, you want me to tell you what a joke their military courts are? Their conviction rate for Palestinians is about 99%. It's a rubber stamp. Yep, is next. Children, women, does nothing matters. 99%. It's a rubber stamp. You're all guilty. If you're a Palestinian, you walk in by definition, you're guilty. Are you Palestinian? Guilty, right? Now, how about Israeli soldiers? These are the same courts on killings, all these abuse, etc., that Anna told you about. Near 0% conviction rate. Huh? Oh, I'm sure it's all an accident. Uh, totally. But that military court is so beautiful, so just, such a part of democracy that uh, that it's okay. Yeah. Uh, that Israel can have special rules. Okay. All right, they assassinated Shireen Abu Akleh. That's a Palestinian American journalist. What do we do? Nothing, nothing. You know what? In fact, worse than nothing, our government put out a statement saying, we believe Israel that it was an accident. <laughs> there was no combatants around, there was no combat around. They assassinated her in the back of the head. In fact, CNN, to their credit, investigated that story and determined that it was in fact the IDF, a sniper with the IDF that had killed her. And after that, they had no choice but to confess that they were behind her killing. Yeah, and consequences after that, nothing, nothing. I'm gonna read you a quote in a second about what that leads to. But Anna read you the drag from the car, the blindfolded, bound, and then executed. What does that sound like? That sounds like what Hamas did, not would do, did in Israel. And we all condemn it, Hamas, I can't believe it. Get terrorists taking those poor people that are totally innocent and blindfolding them, gagging them, killing them. But when Israel does it, no, no. No, every time, including 20,000 dead civilians, all accidents. Bound, gagged, executed, accident. Assassination of a reporter that they don't like, accident. Absurd. Can I, I'm gonna jump in with something. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it's important because there's currently a case being heard by the United States Supreme Court. And a lot of people are kind of making this like a partisan issue with conservatives hoping that the Supreme Court is gonna vote against government agencies being able to essentially create their own rules and their own laws without Congress, right? And I get how that, that, that if the Supreme Court strikes that down and decides, no, government agencies can't do it, it's up to Congress to write the laws. I totally get that certain regulations that we need will be done away with, okay? It will lead to deregulation, which I'm against. However, 
you have to admit that there is a problem with Congress passing that Leahy law, right? And then the State Department unilaterally, without the involvement of Congress, unilaterally creating a carve out to that law that provides special treatment for Israel. I mean, there is a problem with that. So that Supreme Court case is actually a lot more complicated and complex than I think the, the media is making it out to be. It's more than just a partisan issue. I do think that there are certain instances where these government agencies are flexing too much power and doing things that I believe that Congress should be tasked with doing. Yeah, and but when it comes to other countries, yeah. they at least are consistent in how they True. do that. Yes. But when it comes to Israel, green lights for everything. So I'll give last word to, from my point of view to Josh Paul. He's a State Department official who resigned in the Biden administration saying, I, I, we, we were totally inconsistent. We tell every other country, don't do massacres, don't do human rights violations, don't do war crimes. And when it comes to Israel, we just green light everything. And it ruins our our reputation, our protection of human rights across the world, etc. And he said this about how it works in reality inside the State Department. He said, we may say that Israel should abide by international humanitarian law. We may say that it should not expand settlements. But when it comes to actual consequences, there aren't any. And I think that has given Israel at senior government levels the sense that it is immune. And that is exactly right. So I mean, look guys, Israel gets $3.8 billion every year. Biden authorized 250 million more, as Anna explained to you, without checking with Congress. And so now $4 billion a year, let alone the $14 billion extra to kill more Palestinians that they're considering now in Congress. So why would Israel? think that they should stop committing war crimes. I mean, is I mean, they don't think they should. Right. Yeah, because nobody else is funding them. We're the only ones funding them. And so that their main source of funding is saying, we don't care what you do. Kill anyone you like. You want to assassinate an American journalist? No problem, we'll help you cover it up. Israel receives $3.8 billion in military assistance annually. That's just a normal year, okay? We send them almost $4 billion in, in assistance. And the Biden administration apparently bypassed Congress last month to deliver an additional $250 million in weapons. So. The number increased, if you notice, because we had covered the first instance in which he went around Congress and it was over $100 million. Now it's up to $250 million. So he's not even consulting with Congress. Congress doesn't even have to vote in favor of sending that military funding. It is amazing how when there's a will, there is a way. And there's certainly a will by the United States government to funnel weapons and military funding to the Israeli government and nothing will stop the Biden administration. No legislative filibuster in the Senate, no Senate parliamentarian. None of those things are an issue when it comes to the you know, funding packages that the Biden administration wants to prioritize. It's amazing, it really is. And it doesn't help America, it doesn't help Israel. It makes everyone get conspiratorial. So these are facts, you don't need to get conspiratorial beyond those facts, right? But denying that these are facts is also absurd, again, detached from reality. So. Look, the reality is if we actually want to be allies to Israel, we should send them nothing. And we should, every time they do something wrong, we should be vigilant about calling them out. Because like France did with America during before the Iraq war, 
They basically said, a good friend doesn't let you make a mistake like this. That's why they weren't against us when they tried to stop us from going to war in Iraq. They were trying to help us. This is not helping Israel to say green light on massacres and now the world hates you. We did the story earlier in the show. Now losing 50 points in approval in a lot of these countries and going from positive to negative, both Israel and America because of this war. You're not helping Israel if you allow their right wing government to act with impunity and commit war crimes in the name of Israel. But no, we're, nobody's gonna listen to us. Joe Biden is always going to say 100% pro-massacre if Israel's doing it. And that's just a fact. Go ahead and dispute it, show me one piece of evidence where Joe Biden has actually taken action to prevent Israel from committing war crimes. You won't find it because it doesn't exist. Republicans scuffling and fighting, scrapping when we come back, you don't want to miss it. Back on TYT, Chang and Anna with you guys in BH. Thank you for gifting 10 memberships, really appreciate you, Anna. Well, we've got one more story related to the ongoing war on Gaza. This one is difficult to even share with you all, but it's important to share it, so let's get right to it. Baby Moaz is only two months old, living day to day, surviving the most relentless Israeli bombing campaign the Gaza Strip has seen in decades. Moaz's mother tells us how she faced airstrikes the day she gave birth. Our home in Jabalia was hit by missiles. It was leveled. Being pregnant, I crawled from under the debris with my one-year-old boy. We took shelter in a UN-run school where I gave birth to this child in one of the classrooms. Babies like Moaz and his mother struggle every single day as this ongoing war on Gaza continues, as the IDF's aerial bombardments continue to level major regions of the Gaza Strip. But somehow, believe it or not, they're the lucky ones. Because according to a humanitarian agency known as CARE or Cooperation or Cooperative for Assistance and Relief Everywhere, miscarriages have skyrocketed in the Gaza Strip since the bombing began, and wait till you hear by how much. Healthcare workers report a 300% increase in the miscarriage rate among pregnant people in Gaza since Israel's attacks began three months ago, according to Noor Beidon, who's CARE's regional advisor on protection and gender in emergencies. This was during a conversation with Jezebel. So she says that CARE has heard about significant weight loss among pregnant women due to the limited access to food, to proper nutrition, resulting in poor personal health and also in poor fetal and newborn health. Of course, that medieval siege that's taking place in the Gaza Strip where you know it's difficult to get any humanitarian aid in, where clean water is also difficult to come by, is having a huge impact. And that's, you know, the World Health Organization is warning that without more aid, Gazans essential needs will not be met. They haven't been met. And just two days ago, a UN official told CNN that the great majority of 400,000 Gazans characterized by UN agencies as at risk of starving are actually in famine, not just at risk of famine, thousands of whom are in fact pregnant women. 
But hunger isn't the only obstacle they face, as we've shared with you in previous reporting. There are no hospitals left that are fully functioning. There are a handful of hospitals that are barely functioning at this point, And it's due to a lack of fuel, due to the aerial bombardments that have damaged the structures. It's due to the lack of medicines coming into the country. And all the way back in October, the International Planned Parenthood Federation reported that more women were miscarrying or going into early labor from shock and stress under bombardment. Now the lack of supplies due to Israel's on ongoing blockade has resulted in pregnant women struggling to carry healthy pregnancies. Higher risk of infection and death after giving birth or having C-sections. Obviously, they also don't have you know, anesthesia, so they have to do these C-sections without the proper anesthesia that we obviously have access to in countries like the United States. And also, it's leading to increased infant mortality due to limited resources, Amal Awadala, Executive Director of the Palestinian Family Planning and Protection Association says many C-sections and births are being performed without basic medical supplies or anesthesia and without any postnatal care. There's now so much risk of hemorrhaging and infections without the right tools and medicines. And Awadala said that all pregnant women are now at severe risk of delivering in unsafe conditions, being put in situations where they are giving birth in cars, tents and shelters. This is just monstrous. It's just absolute monstrous behavior by the Israeli government. At health centers, pregnant women are only admitted when fully dilated and are dismissed within a few hours after giving birth due to the overcrowded facilities and extremely limited resources. How are we okay with this? How is the United States, I know the, the people of the United States aren't okay with this. How does Anthony Blinken, how does Kirby, all these figures within the State Department under the Biden administration, how do they read these reports and see what's happening on the ground in Gaza and think, no, this is fine. We're gonna keep providing the support the Israeli government demands of us. Because they're inhuman, they don't care. All they care about is where's my money coming from? Where's my power coming from? Who do I need to serve? Who do I, you know? So our politicians are the worst. They don't care about any of us, they don't care about humanity. And in my whole lifetime, I've never seen Republican or Democrat, anyone in the White House that cared about Palestinian lives, never. They just, they green light their the brutal massacres 24 seven. All right, so to give you a sense of context here. Hamas killed 36 kids on October 7th, terrible, right? And now you might have seen some of the stories of babies being killed, etc. right? Uh, that's two days in Gaza. And that's just on babies, I'm not talking about kids, I'm talking about babies. So when you talk about kids, over 10,000 kids have been killed. By the way, again, intercepted a brilliant story about how American media is covering it. When it, whether, when it's uh, Israeli kids killed, they call them children, babies, kids. When it's Palestinians, they call them minors, people under the age of 18, etc. okay? No, they're kids. And so a lot of the kids are dying afterwards, even if they survive the miss, you know, the the pregnancy, because they're getting no health care at all. You know why they go to the hospital, and there's so many people that are dead and dying, they don't have time for babies and moms, etc. They don't have space. They don't have equipment. They don't have anything. They don't have food. They don't have medicine. They don't have. So now, if I just want to focus on the C-section for a second, because if you've never 
gone through a C-section or witnessed one, they take the guts out of the woman and, and put it on her chest as they take the baby out. Imagine doing that without anesthesia. Imagine amputating the limbs of literal children without anesthesia. That's also happening. Yeah, and, and imagine the infections you're gonna get when you don't have the proper equipment, etc. So look guys, first of all, pro-life. I haven't seen one pro-life leader complain about all those dead kids, not one. There isn't a single pro-life leader in this country. They're all liars, 100% of them are gargantuan liars. They don't care about babies, they don't care about kids, they don't care about lives. When you have Muslim kids being butchered, they're like, bravo, go get them, Jesus is gonna come back. Because of their lunatic theories about end times theories. Okay, so pro-life movement, you're zero, you're zero, you're all liars, let's be clear. Evangelicals in this country, what are you doing? I mean, when including the actual masses, the people, not just the leaders, what are you doing? You think Jesus is in favor of massacring kids where he was born? Have you ever read the Bible? Have you ever read one thing in the Bible? No, you don't care about the Bible, you don't care what Jesus said. All you care about is me, 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 me. I want the end times, I want Jesus to come back and say, I was right and everybody else was wrong and I want him to murder everyone. Oh, The Muslims are gonna get killed now because I want Armageddon to happen? Yes, if you haven't read the nonsense lunatic theory about end times that unfortunately a quarter of this country believes, you should look into it. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, they wanna start Armageddon. And get billions of people killed and murdering Muslims. That's just the appetizer. So pro-life, my ass, none of you are pro-life. Just be honest for once in your life. All you think is me, I want me, okay? All of the rest of you, kill, 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 pro-life, get out of here. Zero, none of you. If the babies are fortunate enough and the mothers are fortunate enough to survive these unbearable conditions during childbirth. They also have to deal with the lack of resources, including the food needed for their nutrition after that terrible birth. And so I wanna go to one more video here, difficult to watch, so I wanna give you proper warning. Let's take a look. Baby Yara was born on December 25th. She's less than a month old. It is common knowledge that a woman giving birth should receive certain medication, vitamins, minerals, etc. The same applies to the newborn who needs nutrition. We received none, neither me nor my baby girl. She has not even been vaccinated. Even her name and date and time of birth were not recorded. Yara has an older brother, but absent from this picture is her father. He was killed in an Israeli airstrike, worsening her mother's stress during birth. I gave birth in uncharacteristic conditions, a sheltering center with many displaced people around me. I was lying on the floor with a bed sheet separating me from others. Um, look, it's just the thing that really got me in that video is you see the little boy who doesn't have a father now and you see him smiling and it reminds you like kids are so innocent. Like that, they're not jaded by life yet. They're so innocent and there's, you know, I just, I, I can't, I can't stand seeing these images. And what you guys don't know is as we 
work on these stories, as we produce these stories. I can't tell you how many quiet mornings I've had to myself where I'm just sobbing in front of my computer. It's so hard to like witness this, but it's even harder to like stomach the fact that we're, our government in our names is supporting this, is helping the Israeli government carry this out. It's wrong, it's just wrong. I, I, I can't, there was a, a photo that's gone viral featuring the corpse of a little little baby, little girl. And she's just, it looks like she's in a tent or something and she's just laying there by herself. No one has claimed her body because her entire family has been killed. How do we, how do we support this? It's too much. Anyway. Let, let, let's, let's be honest, Muslim lives don't matter. They don't matter at all. Uh, so uh, look, when Hamas killed those 36 kids on October 7th, we were outraged. And, uh, and if you weren't outraged, there's something missing with you. Kids are kids, whether they're Jewish, Muslim or Christian, we have to protect everyone. But that's what decent people think. Now you got over 10,000 kids dead in Gaza. Our government doesn't care, Israel's celebrating it. And if you're one of the people who are saying, "Oh yeah, we had to kill all their kids. Not, sorry, not all, only 10,000. Imagine if Hamas had killed 10,000 Israeli children. We would be doing the exact same commentary because human lives are human lives, children are children. Yeah. Israeli children are no different in my mind uh, to Palestinian children, but like that's the thing that gets to me. Like, it's hard to accept the fact that people do see them as different. They do, and guys, that's the most depressing part of this. So, last thing, to me, a human is a human. What difference, Jewish, Muslim, Christian? What difference does it make? We're all the same creature. It, to me, all that is just nonsense, tribalism. That a Jewish person and a Muslim person are identical. Our DNA is nearly identical. And in Israel and Gaza, they look almost identical, right? They were the yes. same exact people. But no, because of tribalism, people think, well, those lives are super precious. Jewish, Christian, American, Israel, whatever, Western, whatever you want to attach to it. Muslim lives, worthless. Kill their babies, don't care at all. Well, there's something wrong with you if you think that way. Look into your in the, in the mirror, I'm not kidding. Look into your soul. If you think those kids' lives aren't worth the same as other people's kids, you lost your the thread, you lost your way, you lost your moral compass. Get back to decency and humanity. Let's wrap up the first hour a little early. When we come back, we're gonna switch gears entirely and talk a little bit about this ongoing like internal war with the GOP. Marjorie Green is lashing out at her GOP colleagues. A lot to get to, don't miss it, we'll be right back. <laughs>